Can you not sharpen your knife while we do this? Fine. We can fucking hear that. No, it's not coming through on the mic. I can hear it in my headphones. You can? Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> God damn. I gotta have a sharp switchblade, man. <laughs> what do you fucking live in, like, uh, uh, fucking uh, the ruins of New York City in a fucking time of a nuclear apocalypse where guns have been rendered useless? Yeah, eventually. I mean, yeah, we're heading that way, but I'm just saying we're not there yet. I like sharp switchblades. The better to cut you with. Now do your notes. Okay, daddy. Uh, <laughs> Go on. Go on. All right. This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. In the last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PSYOPs. Which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, less repressed, and I think there's less need for cinema psyops. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PSYOPs. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PSYOPs. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. Finally back in the fucking studio like we actually give a shit about what the fuck we're doing. It's Matt! <laughs> ah, there we go. That just does not work for me, man. Th- that works for me big time. I'm just going to cut that on out. Really? <laughs> yeah, because that's the kind of dick I'm going to be. <laughs> Damn. All your stupid idiotic bits get cut out from here on out. <laughs> All your stupid idiotic bits get to keep in. No, I definitely cut out my stupid stuff. Oh, do you? How else am I going to keep this air of being Mr. Intellectually <laughs> Superior to you? <laughs> I mean, all I have to do is be in the same room with you, and I'm automatically intellectually superior to you. Well, that's not really hard. You're bragging <laughs> on something that's really weird. <laughs> That'd be like saying, I grow a better beard than Eric Trump. Yeah, but exactly. But not a better one than Mike Pence. It's like saying, oh. <laughs> you know Pence, like, greases himself up at night and watches gay porno. Allegedly. Allegedly. While Mother watches and sovereignly masturbates, allegedly. Yes, allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> possibly, but most definitely probably does happen. I think he may allegedly be an adult baby. He, Why yes. does he call her he mother looks, so much? Yeah, and he probably likes to wear the diaper. He's probably not gay. He likes to do the adult allegedly. baby play. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> well, but I mean, this is all speculation. That's like that's like saying like uh, that uh, Eric Trump gets to you know he can ruck around saying. I have the most punchable face whenever I walk in any room. Yeah, that's not that hard. You should brag about that. 
Because you have the most punchable face of anybody I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> I've never seen anybody with a more punchable face. Ooh, gonna have to disagree with you there. Which one? Seth MacFarlane. Really? I see that guy's face and I just want to punch him. For me, before uh, Seth MacFarlane, it was uh, Bill Maher. He used to have Ooh. the most punchable face. No, Bill I've Maher has seen. a much more punchable face than, yeah, he, than you, Seth MacFarlane. He used to be my top until yeah. until the Trump boys got into the ca- in front of the camera more because of Daddy. And uh-huh. now I'm like, there's one and two with Bill Maher bringing up three and Daddy Senior Trump bringing see, four. I think you're having a hard time separating someone who is such an asshole that you want to punch and yeah. someone who just has a face that makes you want to punch it just because of how it looks. Yeah, Bill Maher See, has I kind of like I kind of like Seth MacFarlane, but yeah. I still want to punch him every time I see him. But I It's I, that fucking smirk. Yeah. You know. But I, I, Bill, Bill Maher's just an asshole. I've always wanted to punch him. But it's his face for me. You should really. just look at his face if and you, you want to punch him. If you him. like put him on mute, it's just his face, I'd want to punch him just as bad <laughs> as listening to his dumbass opinions. <laughs> what other celebrities are you out to punch in the face god there are so fucking many yeah i don't know why but i really want to punch chris spratt in the face i don't know why i just really do yeah he's got a punchable face yeah it's certainly punchable yeah. face yeah 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 chris I mean, pratt has definitely a punchable stupid face <laughs> so should we do punch in the face slash kissable face yes <laughs> there you go. Who's, who's got a kissable face who's got your kissable face in hollywood Oh man, uh, Hemsworth, man, the guy who plays Thor. Yeah, he's fucking adorable. That is definitely a kissable. He's face. a he's a pirate angel. I just want to grab him by his like Ro- flesh colored beard and just like kiss the shit out. I'm of him. sorry, Robert Downey Jr. has a kissable face. Ooh, see, that's a slappable face for me. Is it? Yeah, like he would be like a hate fuck for me, where I want to really? kiss him, but I'd slap him for trying to kiss me. You would kiss him and then slap him for kissing you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. How dare you, sir? How dare you kiss him, but fuck you. How dare you let me do this? You. Just Junkie fuck. <laughs> how did this go from like, oh, just because it's us. That's how just it because it's us. Way. It's how we work. Yeah. But uh, it's fun. So we could do like a Mary fuck kill. Mary fuck kill. Because that fits in with this movie this week. Yes, it does. <laughs> Ooh. Man, uh, all right, that's the they heard. That goes out to all the listeners. Give us your best Mary fuck kill, and we will answer them on the next show. <laughs> sure, yeah, we'll Let's put them in that. We'll put them in the group. We'll give a, like a yeah. we'll give a we'll give a post, and we'll read them off, and then we'll agree, disagree, and, and yeah, comment. And then we'll we'll go through the Mary fuck kills. <laughs> sure, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> if anybody actually participates, I think they will. Yeah, we also would have a punchable slash kissable. Kissable, yeah, yeah, punch or kiss. Yeah, and it, it's even better if it's the. F- like what is not your normal sexual proclivity? Yeah, like what exactly. you don't normally lean towards. You can't just say it like because I can't talk about all the women I want to punch in the face. I can't do that. <laughs> you can't just go punchable or kissable. Eric Trump, Selma Hayek. That's just way too easy. Ooh, you'd be surprised my answer. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, you would not be surprised by mine, knowing my taste in women. So, but with Eric Trump, it would bother him more if I kissed him than if I punched him. That's true, especially <laughs> if you forcibly used your tongue in there. If you stuck your big tongue in his little mouth. I would have to go like George Michael Bluth on him where my lips curl back and they use all teeth and yeah. make it like the most uncomfortable, awful kiss ever. Can we just... Oh, don't do that. No, no, no. no. That's bad. That? Yeah, that's going out. <laughs> Who cut that? Motherfucker. <laughs> but anyway, back to the Mary yeah. Fuck Kill, right? Yeah. So that's what's taking place in that's, this. I think so. You, you mi- give us three names and we have to decide <laughs> if we're going to marry him, fuck him, or kill him. <laughs> 
because because well, that's not fucked up at all. <laughs> well, in my order in which I would do it. <laughs> no, 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 because it's three different people, not the same person. Yeah, but I could do all three people would be this like one person could be all three things. No, you can't do that. That's I, not the way the game goes. I would marry them, kill them, and then fuck them. Wait, why, <laughs> why would you marry them first? Money. Oh. Inheritance. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Life insurance. You better hope they're richer than you. <laughs> At this point, almost anybody would be, <laughs> except for you, which is, again, why I'm yeah. glad to be in the same room with you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, there you I'm automatically a better person with you around. Well, that's not really because of money-based. That's mainly because I'm a par- really terrible human being. <laughs> Well, just in general, yeah. yeah. Just in general. Just in general. I'm a better I'm, person. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty gutter person, yeah. Well, even cutting out all the horrible things that you said that'll probably get you searched out by the NSA, the CIA, and the SS Secret Service. God, it hasn't been done by now. I don't know what it's going to take. <laughs> Besides all that stuff that I had to cut out from that rant, yeah, we yeah. have hit the mark that we have to hit. All right. Awesome. We have, we've gotten the show pattern at the beginning. Yeah. What, what is it? The pablum you said? The that pablum. I- our pablum. <laughs> and people enjoy our pablum. I just like you using a fucking $5 word. It I know, right? happy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's because of you. You're rubbing off on me. Oh, I like to rub off on you, too. <laughs> And now that we've made the audience completely uncomfortable. Oh, really? By, are you sure they're uncomfortable now? I mean, how many times have we made homoerotic jokes towards one another? I'm not joking. Uh, <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> well, while you guys have that image stewing in your mind, we're going to play the Patreon ad for Legion Podcast Network, which we are definitely encouraging you to participate in there. Lots of wonderful perks. And besides, if we don't have a Legion Podcast Network, there's no cinema psyops because there's no network. That's right. You're going to take our homes away. Do you want to do that? Why are you taking away our homes? What are you, you all, Republicans? <laughs> While you feel guilty about that and listen to the Patreon ad, we're going to take a little break here, play that ad, and a little bit of music from the film Last House on Massacre Street, a.k.a. The Bride, a.k.a. anything they could release this thing under to get it released. <laughs> and when we come back, we will have no trailer because it doesn't exist. Huh. This will keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. Wonder how long it will take.
looking for a whole lot of left at the altar, got cheated on, been yeah. run around in the wedding time frame. And this Roy Orbison song of Wedding Day, I think, fit pretty well. God, I love Roy Orbison. He was great. He had an amazing voice and he yeah. wrote some really great fucking songs. Oh, Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. since we don't have a trailer, do you know what I have in replacement of that? What's that? A really terrible song that closed out the movie. Oh. <laughs> Now keep that in mind, that that is the thing that closes out this movie after everything that we're about to discuss. Yeah. That I can't help loving you is what they chose to close out the movie. That's fucked up. (laughs) Really fucked up. Well, tell us why. All right, let's begin. Last House on Massacre Street. (laughs) Okay. It shouldn't even go with that kind of a name. We uh, begin the movie, the man and woman, they're walking through a field with uh, a lot of hippie folk music type music about love and horse shit. Uh, (laughs) Things that neither of us believe in because we're both nihilists now. Yes, right. Well, I believe in the love I have for my wife. I just don't believe I'm worthy of any love given to me. I believe in the fear that you have of your wife if you don't love her. No, I don't have that fear. I love my wife completely. I just don't believe she loves me because I don't believe I'm worthy of any love. That is true. Uh huh. Uh, anyway, the woman is showing a man a house. It's a very kind of weirdly constructed house. It's very unique, and it's out smack dab in the middle of nowhere. I don't even think there's a road or a driveway up to it. I actually really like the design of the house. For the time frame that this movie took place in, it was quite modern and really interesting the way that she was having it developed, and the lofted ceilings were great. Yeah, actually, you see a lot of houses designed like that in the 80s. Like, they did a lot of houses like that in the 80s that yeah. looked just like that. What was it, a 73 or 74? I think this was released yeah. in. And I just remember in the 80s, a lot of houses were built to look kind of like this house. It's almost yeah. It was almost like ahead of its time for style. It looks a lot like the apartment buildings that are around Omaha, complete with the like cedar shingles and yep. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Only it's a house for like like a couple, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, She says the house is her as she designed the house. And if we find out the man's name is David, if David loves her, then he loves the house. Um, That sounds a little bit overboard but okay she's a little little attached barbara is a bit eccentric yes and she also seems to me like she was a very sheltered young woman just in the discussion that she's having with this guy david yes it seems like she very much is also a uh she's never probably been told no in her life well i don't know if it's necessarily that she's been told no i think it's just that her father wants to give her a really great life but and you never see her mother around so i'm wondering if she was raised without a mother and that's that maybe he's over 
no, overcompensating. So I guarantee you she's never been dumped by a boy. She's always done the dumping. As in probably because she's oh, always dated a man who was boring to her. I've never even got that she was dating anybody else before David. I thought she lived no, that sheltered of a life. Because you'll, I remember reading something when she said she was riding around with a man named Roger. She uh, talks about it later on. And Roger just kind of always placated her. I believe Roger was an old boyfriend who was just stuffy. I don't think she ever met somebody who she felt was interesting like her because she is kind of a unique free spirit or so she feels herself that yeah, way. Yeah, uh, eccentric I guess because she's rich. So you would call her eccentric. Most, she would be the type that seems like she wants to be a unique free spirit. Yeah. And other people would re- refer to her as eccentric. Yes, exactly. Which is rich people for crazy. Uh, exactly. Uh, if, if she was poor, she'd be just nuts. Shit nuts. Yes. Um, he states, David, that he loves them both and she states that it's contemporary Barbara. So we now find out her name is Barbara. Uh, he's, now this is referring to her and the house because yes. she is the house and the house is her. Yes. Uh, he states this is the first girl he knew who has built her own house and uh, then she goes ahead she says, actually I'm going to be the last girl you ever know. So that's already a little scary. I mean that makes me want to, you know, nervously start doing heroin again. Nervously. <laughs> Not <laughs> confidently. Whatever excuse you have. Um, I think, again, as far as it goes here, I just think she's monumentally naive. If she did have another boyfriend before this, I just feel like she never really got like serious with anybody else, and she never actually fell in love before. She may have dated other people. Here's the thing. I think David find out other things later. David has done enough to show her that he's maybe unique in his own right and interesting. We find out other things about David later. We'll get there. But I think all the other boys or other men she's dated before, because I don't think she's new to dating, but I think all the other men she's dated before meant she probably, as you said, has a sheltered life of private schools because she's very well uh, to do. Private schools and all the men she's dated have been probably typical kind of upper brow men who could be to a quote unquote free spirit like Barbara boring. Either that or they were all daddy approved and she was looking for someone that daddy wouldn't want her to be with. And that also could be it that I was getting to that because we're going to get to that too. As they we get another little more of a montage. There are a lot of montages in this movie. This film is a montage of montages. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, this movie runs 115. 117. 117. Yeah, with credits. Now, now, this movie probably could have ran a tight 45 minutes of a short movie without the montages. We'll talk about that in my final thoughts. Okay, okay. But, but I'm just um, like, yeah, yeah. How many times have we said, wow, this movie ran about an hour and 45 minutes? It probably could have been an hour and 15 minutes without the montages. Well, here we have an hour and 17 long minute movie that could have ran 45. Yeah, this is a montage of montages in this film. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's all right. And but it anyway. is a movie in that it is an hour and 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, it's like a story someone really wanted to tell, but there just wasn't enough story to get it out. Well, the uh, story is they made a bunch of montages. <laughs> Uh, they check out the house uh, and uh, she talks about how she had the idea to build such a house uh, and then we go to a flashback where she's asking her dad to let her build the house. He kind of argues it and then she kind of just talks him into it and you kind of get the probably their uh, dynamic just like that. She asks for something. He probably rebuffs a little bit because it's not practical and then she spins something or just turns on the daughter eyes and says, please dad. Let's 
let's be real fair here to the father. Yeah. She asked for something completely ludicrous. Yes. I mean, she asked to build a house. She asked to build a house that she uniquely designs knowing fuck all about architecture. Out, out in the middle of nowhere, by the way, there's no road up to this house. No, there's, there's nothing. no road. There's just there's no fields. driveway. Yeah. You drive up and then you have to park your car and walk through fields to get to the house. <laughs> to the sounds of Sting performing Fields of Gold in the background <laughs> at you. Me. <laughs> just, just stop just stop <laughs> i will fucking punch you remember i just sharpened a switchblade motherfucker oh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry i'm sorry all right so but she finds something she's like hey if uh, if i don't want it then i can sell it for a profit or i'll rent it who's gonna rent a house in the middle of a fucking field are you renting to the manson family <laughs> Probably. I mean, that's who you're going to be renting to. <laughs> you're going to be renting to Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> no, that place was not practical enough for Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski's like, wow, listen, I like to be alone, but fuck this. I need I need access to a mailbox at least. Well, and our studio is about three times the size of his cabin. Yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, we then have more montage of checking out the house. Uh, anyway, they are now having a pick Nick, and because it's the first time we have any real meaningful dialogue, that is our first clip. To us and the house. Oh, to all three of us. <laughs> David, mm-hmm. I hate to bring up unpleasantness. Don't. I have to. Have you decided when you're going to talk to Daddy? Yes. I've decided not to. I'm going to sneak in your window some night and carry you off. (laughs) I like that. Unfortunately, it's not very practical, especially if I want to stay on with the firm. We're going to have to tell him soon. Tricky proposition. Has to be handled just right. If only he knew you the way I do. Sure. To know me is to love me. Mm, It's true. Maybe if I have you over to dinner this week, you and Daddy could get better acquainted. Brandy and cigars in the library. Man-to-man talk, that sort of thing. Mm, Might be worth a try. Barbara, let's face it. The man simply does not like me. The only reason he keeps me on at the firm is that I'm damn good at my job. You're good at a lot of things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) With one exception. I can't make your father eat out of my hand. That's your department. Oh. You've been doing it so long, you're not even aware of it. How'd you get the money to build this house? The magic words are, please, Daddy, I want it. So, tell him you want me. Is that the way you want it, David? Well, I think it might be the best approach. All right, I think you're probably right. I'll do it. Good. And then, once we're married, Daddy will grow to respect you. How can he help us? <laughs> You'll be a partner in the firm. Naturally. And we'll live here, raise a proud family, be gloriously happy forever. Guarantee all that? Of course. It's what I want, and I always get what I want. Daddy, I want him, and I intend to have him. Now, is that clear? It's clear. Good. I'm sorry I yelled. Oh, that's all right. You've been yelling at me for 25 years now. That's not true. Oh, Daddy. It's too bad it has to be like this. We've always been friends. We still are. I hope so. Daddy, I know David has faults. It'll make me a good husband. Come on, Daddy. He's good enough to work for you at the firm. Well, a firm is in the business of making money. He's useful to me in that regard, but that doesn't mean to say that I I want him as family. Barbara, I've had the opportunity of observing your friend David every day at the office. Daddy, don't start in again. No, I'm, I'm going to say it now, once and for all. And then I'll shut up. There is something about David, something negative. I can't name it. I can't prove it, but it's well, it's like a, an unpleasant odor you can't exactly trace. I am not going to listen to this. 
Oh, what I'm saying is that I think he stinks. I don't think he has any real affection in his heart for you. I think he's using you. Have you said it all now? I've said it. Daddy, I'm going to see David tonight and we're going to set a date. Step Mama can start making all the arrangements. Daddy, I hope that you'll be walking down the aisle with me. I want that. Well, of course I will. It'll be my last chance to talk you out of it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stepmama. So, yeah, you're pretty much right. Mom's not in the picture right now. So. Yeah, so he overindulges his daughter because she's competing with his attention for Stepmama. Yep, Stepmama. And just the fact that she says Stepmama just codes her right away as spoiled fucking brat. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> we fast forward. The wedding is on, and now we're at reception time. And as we see the reception line happening, we see that David's ex actually had the balls to show up to his wedding looking dressed like she's at a funeral i mean you know with the bucket hat and bail on i know that this is one of my own personal rules that i don't like to break but can i just comment for a second yeah is that his ex or is that his mother because she looks right? significantly older she does in but in later scenes she looks younger i know just but in, in this particular scene, scene yeah. the way that she's dressed and the way that they have I her think show that's up supposed i'm like to make her look she was supposed to look sad that david got married maybe that's what they were trying to do like yeah. maybe she hadn't slept because oh my god the love of her life is has married somebody else. All right, so now if I'm in like you know whole, whole full on sexist asshole mode anyway, commenting yeah. on how yeah. she looks. Yeah. All right, now comparison wise, if you just take money out of the equation, just comparison wise Ooh. on on not even like who loves him more, but just attractiveness. Yeah. What the fuck was he thinking? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll get to what he does here, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I uh, mean, Barbara, it, maybe she has crazy eyes and a crazy smile, but that's got to mean she's good in the sack, right? <laughs> Yeah, because she's nuts. Well, and sometimes crazy is beautiful. Chauvinistic here. Yeah, I mean, okay. Now we're going to take the chauvinistic hats back off. Yes, because now we need to be very sensitive to everything that's about to occur in the film because it's horseshit. (laughs) Yes. All right. So now we go into second long montage. Yeah, our second long montage of the movie, the wedding reception. Wait, it's a second long or it's the second comma long montage? Second comma long Long montage. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, at one point they do mix in some dialogue and dad overhears some kids talking about, you know, one girl saying uh, when she gets married, she just wants to run away because she's a devout atheist. And then they all start talking about, you know, what uh, that uh, they're in a new time period. They're being really douchey about the time period. And then the you just girl- want to say that because one of them said they were an atheist. No, it's because they all call keep talking about relevance and we're at the time of relevance and non-relevance. I mean, it wasn't the atheist part. It's just like the er- everything is the just pseudo-intellectual. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it was just bad. And then if the, their discussion had a face, it would certainly be punchable. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. It would look like Bill Maher. Anyway. <laughs> Who has a very pseudo-intellectual punchable, punchable face. face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I think Bill Maher is the type of guy who fucking Googles names a lot, so I hope he runs over this recording, <laughs> just so he knows. I'll that tag we him think in he, the post. Just and then he, he'll talk about how podcasts are for losers, just yeah, like comic books, and yeah, who gives right, a shit. Yeah, but I'm just saying, don't, does he not look like the type of guy who Google's his fucking name like every other day. Yeah, he's a libertarian version of Trump. He's so involved with himself. Yes, exactly. He's not happy unless he's doing blow off a of Playboy Playmates tits. Which I mean, <laughs> that would I make get. anyone happy. I think. <laughs> so anyway, um, and then uh, but then there's a pretty good sick bird. They were talking about how people are confused about the relevancy of religion. 
religion and everything. And the girl who said she's a devout atheist, she goes, well, I'm not confused. And one of the guys goes, well, that's because you're not relevant. Sick bird, bro. Sick bird. Yeah, it was okay. It was not bad. Not yeah. bad. He caught her right off guard. That was a good right cross to the chin. Well, it's not Aaron Sarkin dialogue, but for this <laughs> montage of montages, it's yeah. okay. I mean, listen, I'm, I, at this point, I'm just grasping at anything I can get my hands on that's content. I'm thinking about making montages of the things that we have to say about this movie just so we can pat out the movie <laughs> I just be- review like the movie was padded out with montages. Also, at this point, I became the father of this movie. Like, I identified with him the most because after he heard everybody talking about that, he rolled his eyes, shook his head, and walked away. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I he, get it. If he rolled his eyes any fucking harder, they would have fallen out the back of his head. <laughs> exactly. Uh, David uh, tells his ex to meet him upstairs in five minutes. Douche. Yeah, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, here we go. And then he tells Barb that he has a headache and he's going to go find some aspirin that's up in his room. Yeah, the head that's throbbing right now isn't yeah. the one that needs aspirin. Douche. So then he starts hooking up with his ex on his wedding day. What a giant piece of shit. What a horrendous asshole. Wait, that's not something you should do? No. Michael, I've made a huge mistake. Cut this part out. <laughs> I cut this part out of the show. <laughs> what? What I just said? Yeah, yeah. I just cut this out. <laughs> I would. Why? But I, I'm just saying, if, if Bev listens... <laughs> This, this will be the last cinema show that ever happens. Oh, you think she'd kill me, huh? Oh, yeah. Kill you dead. Well, I know she'd kill me if I actually did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. What's so wrong about that? Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, let's go grab Bev. Bring her down here. You can ask her that question. <laughs> No, no, let's. No, 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 no yeah. You want me to answer it because no. I won't stab you to death in your sleep. <laughs> no, I, I just want, I just want to know what, what specifically is so bad about being. <laughs> I can't, I can't even do it. it. I can't. I can't there's, even play my normal thing to make you morally outraged about this. There's not a douche hat big enough for you to wear to try to do this. I don't know. Those big foam Texas fucking cowboy hat things would probably do it. Maybe those Dr. Seuss ones that are all different fucking colors. <laughs> It would be like a Russian doll situation of hats for me to be able to put enough douche hattery on. Oh my god, that's insane. <laughs> you would have to have a douche haberdasher that would really know what they're doing. Yeah, anyway, David's a piece of shit. And... I mean, he's not even married for like a minute. Like, yeah. Like, it's like not even like a minute into his reception and he's yeah. already upstairs trying to tag his ex. Yeah, what the fuck? And is she really his ex? That's the next question that yeah, I Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe they were, uh, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Anyway. Save it all for the final thoughts. Yeah. Barb goes looking for her husband and she finds him full on, probably knuckle deep in in uh, his ex's butthole. I'm just saying. Uh, both, of his, both of his hands were up north, even though her north? dress oh. was mostly off. Uh, he was probably trying to tune in Tokyo. No, they were on her back. Well, he's even cheating on his wife horribly. Yeah, he's not even doing it right. He's not even doing it right. No, he should be like face deep in her fucking bridesmaid. I, I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, hmm? David has never given a woman any orgasm of any kind. If he did it was by mistake. Yeah, it was completely by accident. Like he's, and he probably got annoyed by it. He stepped on the fucking power cord for the Sibian machine and triggered it yeah, while yeah. she was already sitting on it. And he was probably like, why are you moaning so much? It's distracting. I'm Stop trying, enjoying things. I'm trying to do our taxes. <laughs> he's a douche. He's a douche. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, Barb understandably has a full paperclips moment and she grabs a pair of scissors and actually attacks David with them. Well, I pulled a clip of that for you. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? 
clips. <laughs> you got me. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I thought you wanted me to pull that clip of her freak out. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Who in the fuck took my paper clips? Yeah, that's. I hate that. Yeah, that's exactly kind of what all this was. Uh, she lunges at David and actually cuts his arm with a pair of scissors. Then she heads out to the reception area, her wedding dress having blood on it. Uh, she lunges at him. She gets him in the forearm and like yeah. the elbow area. Yeah. And then she tries to stab him some more. And the, the cheating girl just kind of stands on the side and lets this all happen. Well, yeah, I mean. I was kind of hoping that they would throw down and maybe some titties would flop out. But this is a PG rated film. So and no. then maybe some scissoring happens. And then those two leave David <laughs> often leading to death. And they just live a happy life together up yeah. at a farm in northern Vermont scissoring all the time. Why yeah, does it have to be Vermont? I don't know. Vermont sounds like a lovely place to live. It's like the other smaller Wisconsin. No wonder you like it. <laughs> They do make really good white cheddar. I stole say that from MST3K. I just <laughs> want to deliver it. Uh, anyway, uh, as she's outside, she's yelling at everyone, what are you looking at? And then she goes, you should have seen the other guy. Which was fucking hilarious. That this was, was the funniest joke yeah, in the this movie was funny. for me. You should, have seen the, you should see the other guy. And you were talking about crazy eyes, but she plays traumatized and just incomplete, uh, like yeah. utter disbelief about what she's just seen and done. Like, and just dissociating what's happening. She plays that really well. The crazy eyes come later but yeah this is being so traumatized about what she's just found out yeah uh then she pretty much destroys the wedding cake and uh she flips over a fold-out card table she doesn't really do anything all that great no what she should have done is grab the whole fucking cake well, and just started, she started stabbing the cake and yeah. then she flicked it yeah but i mean she just stabs the cake she just should have picked up one of the cylinders and threw it like a frisbee at somebody david should have come running down bleeding and yeah. been like no no wait wait and she should have started throwing cake at him and shit no, she should have flinged the cake like a frisbee, preferably at the face of the girl who was like, I'm a devout atheist. <laughs> you know, there was one fat guy at the wedding that was like, not the cake. <laughs> God, why does this is always happen to me? <laughs> why must the cake die? What did it ever do to you? <laughs> he's, he's more traumatized than she is. <laughs> he's just crying was, over the cake. I was promised cake. I only <laughs> came for the cake. It's the only reason I go to these fucking well, that's why I go is for the cake, right? Tremendous is that figure Greg food. Greg Barrett that did that joke. Is that that comedian? He had the th he had this thing where he was like freaking out about cake. There, I was told yes. there would be cake. I, there might be cake. Is it yes. Greg Barron? I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he also did the book. Uh, he's just not that Indio. Okay. Yeah, that got <laughs> really big on uh, Sex in the City. I didn't realize that he actually got you know a book out of that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching his fucking stand up comedy like ages and ages. I know ago, it was so. fucking hilarious. Yeah. My, right. my favorite was when he talked about the New York Times and he goes he goes uh the kids tried to sell me a New York Times newspaper and he goes I already get one and the kid goes fuck and I was like fuck yeah man I can't sell shit now I get two copies of the New York Times <laughs> yeah, I love that guy yeah. he's hilarious oh uh, good guy good guy uh anyway we now cut to a restaurant and David is meeting with Barb's dad and that is our next clip oh hello Jesus. so glad you can make it sit down oh now what'll it be uh nothing thanks nothing at all my stomach's been bothering me. Oh, all right, thank you. Long life and happy anniversary. Anniversary? Two weeks ago today. Your wedding. How's the arm feeling, by the way? It's healing. Oh, good. Have you had any word? From Barbara? No, nothing at all. No, don't worry. She'll turn up. Oh, I'm sure she will. I'm not worried. She's uh, hiding out very cleverly. That's a familiar pattern, David. When she was a little girl, she used to spend hours at a time in her room pouting. I haven't decided what to do about a divorce. 
Well, you'll have to admit I have a case. Deserted on my wedding day. I sincerely hope it won't come to that, David. I have no idea what went on between you and Barbara that day. And I don't care to know. I've been expecting you to fire me any day. The thought did cross my mind. Well, what stopped you? Two reasons. In the first place, from a business standpoint, your work has been um, quite satisfactory. I like the way you've been handling old Mrs. Meyer's account. You have a... You seem to have a, a happy knack with the ladies, David. You're an asset to the firm. I'm glad you finally noticed. <laughs> and what's the second reason? Well, that's a little more complicated. You see, David, I still salute the flag as it goes by. Well, not out of respect for a piece of cloth, but for the meaning behind it. I know that's old-fashioned these days, but I can't help it. I believe in the reality of symbols and legal forms and ceremony. So, two weeks ago, you became my son under the law, for better or for worse. And I feel a moral obligation towards you, David. You have to be warned. Of what? My little girl, Barbara. I've known her for a long time now. Well, I think I know her well enough. Well, well enough to marry her. That isn't saying much. No, I've had uh, a little more experience with the, what we might call the dark side of her character. Well, don't get me wrong, David. She's a lovely girl. But uh, she's always had a, a real streak of cruelty, a potential for violence. I'm aware of that. Yes, you had a good lesson. Take it to heart. I can handle her if she ever decides to come back. I'm sure you can. Hmm. I see the special is fried chicken. Shall we try it? I'm not too hungry. Reminds me of the time, a long time ago, Barbara was a little girl and some idiot gave her a chicken for a pet. It was an evil looking thing. I, I couldn't stand the sight of it, but Barbara liked it well enough for a while. And then she grew bored with it and started tormenting it. Barbara had a special talent for tormenting. And then one day, as any creature will, it uh, turned on her, attacked her with its claws and beak quite viciously. As I recall, Barbara had to have quite a few stitches taken, and she took it with no tears. But the next day, she took my straight razor and cut the chicken's head off slowly. She'd locked herself in her room so we couldn't get at her, but we could hear that poor creature screaming for over an hour. On second thought, I think I'll have the roast beef. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a good idea. I don't know. After that story of chicken torture, I'm kind of into the idea of some chicken. <laughs> I could use some buffalo wings, actually, come to think of it. Tortured buffalo wings? Are there any other kind of buffalo wings? <laughs> yeah. Really? Free range. All right, we padded out the review right. enough. Let's move on. Let's see here. Uh, David arrives home and suggests to his ex that maybe she move out for a bit, uh, just till things cool down. She says no way and that she could leave him in the state that's he that he's in. You know, he kind of seems appreciative of this. So appreciative. She also knows that when she's not around him, he's going to be fucking something else. Yeah, exactly. She knows she can't trust that dick. And because David is such a chivalrous, kind man, he looks at her and says... Go ahead and make yourself look human, and we'll go out and have a day. He's a good guy. Yeah. He knows exactly how to treat a woman. Oh, my God. What a fucking prick. Is that sarcasm coming through my voice enough? Yeah, I think so. It's like dripping off of you. <laughs> Did you shower in sarcasm? I mean, I normally do. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, then we get the third of our uh, movie montages, and that's Farmer's Market Time slash picnic time it's just like a day date where these two just go off and do different things that really have nothing to do with the fucking movie oh this was definitely padding oh my god so bad this was like 10 minutes of just them walking around doing nothing i sat there and i was like this can't go on this much longer and i was wrong 
It can. You know, a lot. This is only rivaled by that long ass fucking montage in the middle of Love Me Deadly. Yes. But that at least had some merit because they were starting to get to know each other and falling in love. And there was only one of them. Yeah. This is this is the third long montage, which really, I yeah. mean, does nothing for the movie. <laughs> nothing. I mean, it makes the runtime pad out. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to actual story part here. Uh, Wait, there, there's an actual story in there's this? There's a story in this. And it's not about a guy dating two chicks at the same time. That's the kind of story I'm into. <laughs> well, you need a million dollars. Guy like me, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is all the more that this movie deserves review-wise. It really is. Dude, what what are we supposed to do? It's a minute 15 with 45 minutes of montage. Yeah, it's an hour and 17 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And 96% of that is montage. Anyway, uh, we get a phone call, and that is our next clip. Which, by the way, was a montage. Hello? Hi there, David. This is your answering service. My what? Your answering service, Precious. I need a long message for you. (laughs) Miss, there's some mistake here. I don't have an answering service. Well, you do now, Precious. Did our little men have fun playing in the park today? Who is this? You don't listen. I said this is your answering service. Oh, by the way, Barbara Cole said to behave yourself. She's watching you constantly. You got that, Precious? Constantly. Who was that? Trouble. Sit down, David. All right, take the sofa. Make yourself comfortable. Um, have you had a chance to look over those uh, factory contracts? Sorry, I've been snowed under. I'll take them home with me tonight. Oh, good. We'll give you something to occupy your time. Must be pretty lonely for you at home without Barbara. Yes, it is. I'm sure you missed her. Of course. I think you ought to know that I've hired a private investigator. Let's see what he can learn. Good. I hope he finds her. If and when he does find her, David, is there any hope for a reconciliation? Well, I don't know. That would depend on Barbara. It might also depend on Helen. That will be all, David. All right, you know about Helen. I hope you don't take it seriously. I don't. I mean, my wife deserted me. I hope you don't expect me to live like a monk. Let's face it, a man has certain needs. Yes, a man has certain needs. Love, honor, loyalty. That'll be all now, David. Go back to your work. Okay, that will be all, David. Yeah, David, let's go ahead and try to defend yourself to your jilted bride's father about your needs being met. Yeah, because apparently he couldn't wait all of 20 minutes for the reception part to be over before they could leave. Or, I'm pretty sure Barbara seems to type where if he would have whispered in her ear, hey, let's go upstairs and knock one out, she'd probably been like, fuck yeah, and they could have gone upstairs. Those are the exact words that David probably would use to refer to sweet nothings for his wife yeah. for sex. Yeah, let's go knock one out. She, yeah. probably, she seems like a pretty kick-ass girl who would have been like, fucking A, bro, fucking A, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, why, man? She's a fucking rich girl. Yeah. She adored him. Yeah. She he was building her own weird fucking house. Yeah. That, you know, he could probably he have some input for on. her father. He works for her dad. Not to mention, she is not a bad looking lady either. She's a very attractive woman. I mean, granted, she's kind of our type. Yeah. Crazy and dark hair. Yeah. Dark hair. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah. She's yeah. kind of our type. She's damaged in some way. <laughs> That's just a necessary thing for them to be interested in us. Yeah. I mean, they have to be damaged. (laughs) If any girl ever was like, Matt, I think you're attractive. I'm like, well, you are not on your medication anymore. (laughs) And let me give you my phone number. If you ever decide to get back on the medication, you can feel free to lose this. Yeah, because you won't want anything to do with me and I don't want anything to do with you. (laughs) 
Hello and goodbye. David then calls home to make sure that there were no more phone calls from this answering service. Precious, uh, it's your answering service. Yeah, yeah. Um, his ex states that no, there there has not been. And then she says there's someone at the door and she leaves. Uh, and she sees that a package has been, been delivered. As David comes home, the ex jumps out at him wearing a wedding dress. Not just a wedding dress, but well, the wait, exact wait, we'll replica. Get to there. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. She thinks he said- You can tell the minute she has it on. Yeah. That's it. That's it. She thinks he sent it to her to propose. He's like, it did not. And it's the exact copy of Barbara's wedding dress. So anyway, they she takes it off. And that night, uh, as they sleep, the ex wakes up to see Barbara standing over her in said dress. As she smiles crazily, she's choking her. But then we see it was just a nightmare that the ex was having. Or was it? Oh. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Is Barbara immortal? Are her methods supernatural? What was the first question again? Uh, David then has his own bad tripping nightmare. He sees himself trapped in the house that Barbara built. All the while, Barbara tells him that it is her house. Uh, he gets this massive fear face, which is fucking weird. He's like in all these like. Oh, I was thinking those were vinegar strokes. Yeah, something. I don't know, man. But because my fear face and my vinegar strokes face is probably the same. Really? As far as I know. Oh. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, half the time I feel like I just had a heart attack right after I finished. So (laughs) I'm a little scared what a way to go <laughs> going I mean, out with a bang i think red said it after his heart attack in that 70s show kitty i love what we do but i don't think i want to die for it <laughs> all the while barb is still mocking him with laughs and all that and then he looks up and he sees a crazy looking barb in her dress as she's reaching for him uh he wakes up you could have just said barb i mean yeah, yeah, the, right. the two are synonymous yeah he wakes up he tells his ex that he needs a drink uh she's like but it's only 4 30 and i'd be like hey don't judge me what i need to do my life 4 30 in the morning and he needs a drink and when you're not up the whole night before still drinking that's a little bad and <laughs> whatever I'm you're not, alcoholic I'm not, I'm not getting what you're saying here yeah, yeah you're gonna be in denial about it go ahead what do you mean i don't have a problem i'm fine excuse me i need to take a drink uh anyway she uh goes ahead and heads back to sleep uh and he says he's gonna leave um when uh, the first train comes so bx goes right back to sleep in the morning uh she wakes up to find a chicken head on the pillow right next to her. Uh, blood all over the place. Kind of almost reminiscent of uh, the uh, Godfather with the horse's head scene, only on a less grand scale. Well, yeah, and I feel like that was an actual chicken head because it sure looked like a real one and it doesn't look like they faked it. Yeah, I'm thinking somebody killed the chicken for this movie. Well, somebody killed a chicken and then the head was used in the movie. That could be The that chicken could have been beheaded for somebody to have a nice tasty meal. Uh, she uh, stumbles in the bathroom and throws the head into the sink. Um, she stumbles in the kitchen. She's kind of really, of course, she would be messed up right now. Well, she's got blood on her, supposedly from the chicken head being severed above her in bed, like some kind of ritualized thing. Yeah, yep. And while I admit, yes, it would be freaky to wake up to that, she has no idea what the chicken thing is supposed to even represent. No. That's all for David. Yeah. So, unless David tells her the story, and unless we see David telling her that story... She just knows somebody broke into the house and killed the chicken. Right. Which is, again, yeah, I'm not saying it's not freaky and she's justified to freak out, but this doesn't have the maximum effect for that chicken story yeah. without David telling her. So this 
should be something that David should wake up to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I also get what they're trying to do with her. But yeah, David, if she doesn't know this story, we're, we're taking it on a, on a whim that David told her the story and we just weren't privy to. That's what we're expected of. But the movie expects a lot from us. Uh, maybe at one of the points they could have cut one of the fucking montages and actually had a scene where David told her about it. Perhaps. But the movie really does want you to spackle in your own story through all the gaps that it left between montages. Exactly. Anyway, she calls David, but he is not available at the time. As she sobbingly goes to make some coffee, uh, she finds the rest of the chicken in the fridge. Uh, she gets a call from the answering service, and she hangs up uh, on it. Uh, at the same time, she hears glass breaking in the house. So she grabs a knife, and she starts calling Barbara out originally, like telling her to come out. And it's almost you see the levels of fear, because first she's angry and starts calling her out. Then she starts pleading for her to talk to her. Then she's like, hey, you know, come on, yeah, please just leave. And then she's like, Do we have a lot in common if you think about it. It's like, really? <laughs> you use the fact that you like boning the same dude. It's something you have in common. Well, I mean, anything, you know, to yeah, try and I keep from getting killed. Yeah. And then she turns around. She sees uh, what looks to be a skeleton face wearing the wedding dress. Uh, she attacks it and she gets another phone call. She picks it up. We never really hear what's going on. The it's other. important to note there's nothing in the dress. It's just no. hanging there with like it's, a skeleton like, mask built yeah, into it. Yeah, it's a skeleton mask built into it. There's no yeah. like bodysuit or anything to it. She gets another phone call, which we never, it's a one-sided conversation where she tells the caller that they win and she's getting out. So, yeah. More than likely, it's the answering service, yeah. quote-unquote answering but service we, again. Yeah, you never hear the other end of the call. I don't think she ever gets them a chance to talk. She just answers it and immediately says that she's they win and she's leaving. Which, they could have done all of this without this extra padding sequence of her running around the house. Yeah. Because it doesn't really work. You don't really care if anything bad happens to her and you feel cheated no, because nothing bad does happen to her. No. She, I mean, she's not a sympathetic character. I mean, if you're a cheating whore or someone yeah. who is a whore who helps someone else cheat, then yeah, I can see where you'd be sympathetic towards them. I mean, if you're into going to your ex's wedding to try to nail him, then yeah, I guess maybe you'll sympathize with this person. Weird. I, I think I do just actually sympathize with her. Oh, well, what'd you do? <laughs> nothing. I'm just fucking around. You have this whole other life I don't know about. Yeah, what you don't know about me i could just about squeeze into the grand canyon <laughs> and that's after four years of doing this show oh yeah well what i care to know about you i couldn't fit into a thimble so what i care to tell you about me i couldn't fit through the eye of a needle Ooh, sexy now we're getting into some sex talk what else is new Ooh, so somebody else has a stitching fetish <laughs> david comes home to an empty home and he finds the uh skull mask and dress then he finds the bloody pillow he goes into the bathroom he finds the chicken head was that in the toilet yeah it looked like he reached head, down in yeah. the toilet he reached down in the toilet it was in the sink now it's in the toilet i will say this chicken heads are notoriously hard to flush down a toilet i would assume so it's probably the beak yeah it kind of gets stuck in the u-bend yeah doesn't work so well and uh so then he gets a call and that is our next clip yes this is your service david is our little man lonely what do you want? Want to be of service, precious. Your playmate packed her bags and left at 11.42 a.m., which is just as well, precious. Now then, David, why don't you visit your wife? Where do you suggest I look? Why, at her house, precious. Hello? Hello? 
precious. Hello? Hello? Hey, precious. This Jansen service, precious. I'm friendly and kind of creepy at the same time. Hey, precious. What is it about someone calling you precious that no longer means you're precious anymore? Uh, Because it's kind of like derogatory now. Yeah, almost any time somebody calls you precious, it's like, I don't think you mean it. I don't think you think I'm precious. Well, if it's like a matronly, grandmotherly type person and they you call you precious. No, because of the way they say it is how, how they say it. When she says it, it's more or less like, aren't you a special little snowflake? It or feels about, insulting. Maybe it's this. Maybe like with the Southern accent, no compliment can be a compliment anymore. Because you never know whether they're being condescending or not. That's just because you can't understand people from the South. Why would I want to? America's great, except for the South. Wow. <laughs> we do have listeners in the South. Yeah, but they don't want to be there either. <laughs> Uh, maybe? I don't know. I'm just fucking... They did give us barbecue. I gotta, you know, we gotta give them that. <laughs> yeah, but they also gave us Leonard Skinner, so... What's wrong with Skinner? Oh, so much. I know. I know. So, it's much. so much. wrong with Skinner. I tried to fight for that one, but it was a... Uh, you have nothing. There's, there's nothing to fight with on that. <laughs> First of all, another montage of David driving to get to the house. Then he drives there, and then he has to run up to the house, because once again, there are no roads going directly to the house. Just a This lot- is the only montage that actually tells you just how far out of the bay yeah, the, the house is. And this is how you know that you have to park and then walk a long ass way to get to the house. So this isn't as bad of a montage, but it comes after so many shitty montages that you're still pissed that it's another montage. Yeah, this is like our fifth montage at this point. Yeah, and I'm pissed. And this montage probably makes sense, but because of all the other ones, I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I, you're I, like, I just fucking get it, it over with. Yeah. Then there's a lot of montage about him trying to find a way into the house. Yeah, He's that's circling more, the house. That's more of a sequence that's just, no. I wouldn't call it a montage because it's, it's set to music but it's him trying to find his way yeah, into the house. I don't house. know. It still annoyed me. It, with so many montages, this annoyed me too. Well, let's face it. The film's going to have to work really fucking hard at this point to yeah. win me back over. Yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm still done. Yeah, I was kind of fast forwarding trying to get him into the house and seeing if there was any dialogue. And I couldn't because I'm doing the notes so I'm afraid that I'm going to miss something. <laughs> and I've, I don't want to say I've seen this before but at this point I felt like I had seen it before because of all the montages. <laughs> anyway. So it's just like, let's move on. Yeah. You know? He finds his way inside and he looks throughout the house and as he looks throughout the house at least now he has flashbacks of his nightmare so this montage feels like it's trying to accomplish something where he's having like you know these these nightmare flashbacks you know of, of certain spaces in the house well and it's supposed to be like the embodiment of his worst fear is that he's going to be trapped in here with her yeah is kind of what it's supposed to be and I think this is very necessary for what they're setting up yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have a surprising quote unquote confrontation and that is our our final clip. All right, let's cut out the games. Where are you? I hope I haven't kept you waiting long. What are you doing here? Did somebody call you too? Come on, boy. We have a lot to talk over. Well, how'd you know I was going to be here? When you get to be my age, you know it all. I thought I might find Barbara here. Really? I guess I was wrong. It's as empty as it ever was. It's a striking piece of architecture, isn't it? I've never seen anything like it. The house that Barbara built. It's an accurate reflection of her, don't you think? Bright windows to let in the light, corners to trap the darkness. All of it unfinished, wasted. This is a house of great sorrow, David. Don't you feel it? It's an empty house. No more, no less. Well, no, it's much more than that, David. This house is a monument to Barbara. Her spirit lives here. (laughs) You talk as if she were dead. View your wife! She came here on the evening of her wedding day and hanged herself. I found her here the next day. And then it was easy enough to buy the cooperation of an embalmer. She 
she's lovely, don't you think? Except for that unfortunate rope burner on her neck. You knew all along. You knew she was dead. I spoke the truth that day at the restaurant, David. I am an old-fashioned father. So, of course, when my only daughter was dishonored on her wedding day, driven to suicide, steps had to be taken. Punishments arranged. Your little playmate, Helen, was smart to get out what she did. It was you. With a little help and a little money, your answering service, the dress, and certain other arrangements. Helen could tell you about them. But I doubt that you'll be seeing her again. And now, David, shall we go downstairs and pay our respects? Hurry, David! You didn't have to do that. Hurry! So he's shoving him down the stairs, yeah. screaming hurry at him. Yeah, you don't have to do that. Shut the fuck up, asshole. <laughs> so much worse is about to happen to you, David. Yeah. As they come to the casket, David lifts up uh, Barb's veil to see uh, a very kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, Barb looking kind of rough, you know, or like a little oh, decomposed. I, I, I disagree. She looks really fucking hot like this. Yes. Not a lot decomposed. Just a little decomposed. Just the right amount. <laughs> No, dude, no. Come on. Oh, you no, come oh, on, man. Dude. That that corpse makeup was sexy. It was good corpse makeup. Uh-huh. It wasn't sexy. She looked like Lily Monster. I wanted to marry her right there. Not with the boils on her face. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm the asshole. You are. Shut up. <laughs> she looked amazing. You're such a fucking dick. She was ripe. Oh, dude. Could she be ripe if she was already embalmed? Yeah. She's ripe. Oh, God. Jesus. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> David lifts the veil and uh, shows her she opens up her eyes and he jumps back right to a couple of axe swings from the old man, which they make their connection david's bloody and he falls down at this point david then wakes up uh, a bloody mess on the floor he's got a mild slash on his face that yeah. no axe would leave behind no like, i've hit plenty of people in the face with an axe that does not happen wait, what? um i've seen no Dude, damn it why why why, um, you, why do you say things <laughs> um why? never mind okay hey i'm just saying that that would that's not I'm what just, that's not what would listen, happen I'm if you hit saying, somebody in the face with an axe oh, okay i'm just saying when you do the notes you get a lot less trouble than when i do them. <laughs> yeah yeah, because I have to think about what I say when I do the notes. I know. <laughs> now you just let your mind roam free. And I'm telling you, it's dangerous territory for you. You don't think I know that? That's where I live is in this brain. I know. I mean, at least I'm just talking about all my drug use when you're doing notes. And that's not all that bad. All I'm saying is if you hit someone in the face with an axe, you're going to split their whole fucking face open. It's not going to be this little baby gash that's left behind. And I'm just saying you're not supposed to know that. <laughs> It looked like somebody slashed his face with a razor slightly to teach him a lesson and put him back it, out it on the street. It looked like he like got a paper cut on his face. It looked like a pimp was trying to teach him a lesson. Yeah, right? <laughs> like he didn't bring back his nightly money. Yeah, like now I can say that and you're like, "Well, how do you know what that looks like?" You don't you don't you don't question that at all. But the minute I start talking about how it looks when you slam an axe into somebody's face. Well, yeah, cuz I know I'm well aware of your male prostitution ring. How else do we afford this equipment? And my mail is M A I L I send prostitutes via mail. You do. I'm like the Netflix of horrors. Yeah, you really are. Netflix and chill has brought out a whole new meeting. 
get this over with. We're almost done. <laughs> Listen, they had so many montages. We got to pad it out. I'd rather pad out the fucking episode with fucking news. Let's go. That's true. We got plenty of that. Anyway, David wakes up. He's bloody on the floor. Like we said, the casket is empty and he can hear Barb laughing. As he goes looking around, she pops out looking all still dead. This is the sexiest version of her with this like Lily monster makeup without the boils. He was like, this was all a trick. And she goes, oh, David, I'm just as alive as you are. And he said this was a very stupid joke. And she says she will make it up to him. She promises. He keeps saying how, you know, he's going to have an easier way to divorce due to her father trying to kill him, all this kind of stuff and everything. Uh, she leads him into a uh, a room. And as he tries to leave the room, he finds he cannot hold on to the door. She handle. leads him into a bedroom and points yeah. out their new marital bed. And yeah, that they're going to be here. Bed. It's the only piece of furniture in the house besides the casket. And the whole time that they're talking, she's basically saying how they're going to be happy here now. And that he has to do his duty in that bedroom. That, yes. You know, that, you know, this is his job. Yeah. Um, And she he said, Mary knew was the biggest mistake I ever made. She stated, no, the biggest mistake was Helen. Uh, Then he tries to reach for the doorknob. Like he said, his hand goes through it. He can't hold on to it. Yeah. And that's and he when goes, he knows something's up. Yep. And then she's like, you can hold my hand. And he can grip her hand. He goes, but it's very, very cold. Uh, Then she leads him out of the room. They look over the balcony. And he is, in fact, dead. He was murdered by her father. She is also very much dead. And in the casket. In the casket. That's what I call a twofer. Right? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, David is a fine-looking, square-jawed man, so maybe you'd be into that. <laughs> I mean, he's dead. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No. I mean, <laughs> can't say no. <laughs> well, that's the main part of necrophilia is there's uh, right? no no. There's no no's. There's no yeses, but there's no no's either. Well, it's an inanimate object. It's basically like using a fleshlight that used to be a living person. Oh, God. <laughs> Someday when they put us away, it's going to be that line that gets it done. It's a flashlight of what used to be a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all it's going to take. Yep. All right. We're just going to be done. I'm just trying to say how practical necrophilia can be. I know you are, but Jesus, man. Was it really that dark? Yeah, that was dark. Really? Yeah. A uh, fleshlight that used to be a person. A living being. A living being, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's saying. Whatever. Let's finish I mean, the there's a lot We're of almost ways, done. Let's just get this there's over. There's a lot of ways to describe Lindsay Lohan. Hey, oh! <laughs> Surprised you went there. I know. It's the first one I thought of. I could have probably done Kim Kardashian, too. Uh, it would have been better if you said Brittany Murphy. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> oh that's too far, because she's actually fucking dead. <laughs> yes, man. Jesus. <laughs> Whatever. Finish the notes. All right. Anyway, she says that they will find that... Uh, being dead isn't so bad. It can get boring, but they will find ways to pass the time. Yeah. She wants some definite nookie time, and she chases him. Uh, the we, whole time he's screaming, this is my nightmare, yeah, this, this was my, my nightmare. Yeah, this was my nightmare. Screaming his bones lead us to rolling the credits. Okay, so final thoughts to just kind of wrap this up. I've been kind of holding it back a little bit. Yeah. You remember back when we did Night Train to Terror, the Dance With Me, Dance With Me movie? Yeah. And we found out that it was a bunch of different movies that got condensed down to become anthologies. Yeah. This feels like a segment for an anthology that got padded out to become something the more. The movie, yeah. Because if you take out all of the montage stuff with the girlfriend and it all should that. should have been a Tales from the Crypt episode. Right. The, uh, or like an anthology movie yeah. segment. You could basically have the wedding or yep. you, you have the intro with the house, yeah. you know, for the credits or who 
whoever's in this port, this segment of the anthology. You have them talking. You have her go and talk to her dad. You have the wedding. You have him cheat. Then you cut to the dinner with the dad, him going back to the house with the girlfriend where he's clearly with the girlfriend now, yeah. you know, and he says, it's almost complete, blah, blah, blah. I'll get the money, whatever, that kind of thing. The answering service thing, you can still kind of do that a little bit. You have the chicken head. You have the girl getting haunted. You get rid of all the montage stuff that pads out the rest of the film. You cut this down to like a cool 30, 35 minutes in a two hour long anthology series movie, or you keep it at about 35 to 42 minutes and you have a Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah. This would actually be pretty solid because you even have the ironic twist at the end where his nightmare all along of being stuck with her for eternity in that house that's not finished actually happens. Yeah. Uh, it feels like they wanted to do some supernatural stuff with it, but they didn't want to commit to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. They definitely wanted supernatural stuff and then they just didn't. Yeah. You know, they didn't what, know how to incorporate it. You know what would have been even more awesome if the answering service was actually her ghost haunting them? She's not haunting her father, but her father is tormented because he has this connection to her. He's drawn to the house as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just so happens that he's there at the right time and he loses his shit and kills the guy. And this whole thing has been orchestrated by her ghost. And that feels even more like a Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, I think so. There's a kernel of a really cool story there, here. There is a good, I was uh, telling my wife this, there is a good story. There was a good story in this movie that got so drowned out by uh, fucking padding montages in mediocrity. Yeah. It's, indecision. And for like an hour and 17 minutes, you feel the bulk of that running time because of those montages. Yeah. I mean, it's really depressingly over long with these montages. It, it would, yeah, and no. it's an hour and 17 minutes. It goes by so fucking when fast, I, but I you feel every second was, of it. A minute, seven, an hour 17, I'm like, wow. I go, and I had the, right when I started every movie, I see it's going to be a particularly shorter movie. Yeah. I have the same, either big hope or big fear. It happens at the same time. Either big hope is going to be an intense ride or fear. This hour, 17 minutes is going to feel like a three hour long movie. And what we have here is kind of a combination of the both. Yeah. Because when they finally get to the house, that stuff was intense and fun. But I really enjoyed that. It's, but it's so padded out before you yeah, get there that you can't enjoy it. It's so bad because it's even worse because there is potential there and they wasted it. Right. I really liked the part when they finally get to the house. And I, I feel like if you just cut it down a little bit and made it like a half hour short or like a segment for an anthology like they did with Night Train to Terror, I think it would be perfect. I, I, yeah. I think it would really work and it would actually be a pretty interesting story and it, it's okay. But they padded it out like a made-for-TV movie with montages of montages, and it's really badly done. Like, this film is probably forgettable. I think the only thing we're going to remember about it is the bad jokes that I made about necrophilia the whole way through it. Yeah. Which will just get lost in the shuffle of all the other necrophilia jokes I've ever made. Yeah, but they were actually particularly really good, so I enjoyed them. <laughs> I've said some pretty horrific things this episode. Yeah. Because how else are we going to entertain the people? Because there's literally nothing there's else literally to talk about nothing in this nothing except for the very last part, yeah. which you're already, you know, zapped energy wise there's nothing entertaining about this movie she was super hot in the corpse makeup though she was super hot throughout the whole movie but in the corpse makeup at the very end when she's the ghost yeah. and there's oh the, yeah without the boils. especially with the smile and the crazy eyes yeah the lily monster because look. not only yeah. does she have the crazy eyes she uh -huh. has a crazy smile oh yeah because so often somebody gave a crazy smile but dead eyes and corpse paint she looks gorgeous yeah. like that yeah and the blue yeah i was just kind of like just seeing her walking around get away like from that the, get a, the boils off her lips and we're we're good to go yeah more traction yeah <laughs> I was thinking that her lips would be ribbed for your pleasure. 
I'm just really happy that this movie gave me the joke about how corpses are the fleshlights that used to be a living being. I know, right? The thing that's going to do us in eventually, yeah. The only thing about this movie that's really worthwhile is that that brought that joke that made you really cringe. That is true. Like, you faked cringe before on this show, but you literally stopped for a second and looked at me like, like, what the hell? Like I said, dude, that's going to be, they never play anything back. That's what will be what does it. When the town villagers are at their their door with the pitchforks and the flames. I doubt it because we've said so much worse than that. We really have. (laughs) This would just be the straw that breaks the camel's necrophiliac back. (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to pull the chain on this movie because we've literally got nothing else to say about it other than holy fucking montage, Batman. Let's do some fucking news. We're going to take a little break here. We're going to play a promo for a podcast that really wishes it was featured on a better film and a better episode of this show. (laughs) We have a little bit of music that's fitting of Last House on Massacre Street, a.k.a. The Bride. And when we come back, we will have some long psyop news to pad out the rest of the show. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for W-Y-C-H on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break! Taste in my mouth, some bitter tears. Oh, I'm feeling sad cause love's gone bad. I see a rainbow, all black. Must be a sign that you ain't coming back. Waking the night, calling your name. I see your face on my window pane. I've been this way since you've been gone. Without your love and I just can't go on. Now where's the love? In my mouth from bitter tears. Oh, I'm feeling sad because love's gone bad. There's just not enough unrequited love songs out there. No. <laughs> There's so much unrequited love. We need more songs. We for need more love. <laughs> unrequited love. Mm. Broken hearted. Love gone bad. Love turned around. Love, love makes me sad. Love lift us up where we belong. You know what will lift me up where I belong, Matt? <laughs> Where's that? Give me some sorrow. Anyway, we 
got a follow-up, man. Follow-up. Mystique went ahead and gave us this one. Okay, this is a really funny thing. We did the original reporting that was that was released locally here. Yeah. It was that they got married and that they were an incestuous relationship. Yeah, this incestuous relationship here in Nebraska, out in Norfolk. But this was breaking news that happened as we were recording it. Yes, this is from the website Crime Feed. Woman accused of incest says she competed with sister for sex with dad. I'm taking another dick. Coming to me! Alright, the father and daughter also reportedly got married after learning they were being investigated. That part we know. But anyway, out of Hastings, Nebraska, a Nebraska prosecutor alleged that a woman had sex with her father as the result of a jealous competition with her half-sister to see who could sleep with him first. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? <laughs> That's new. That's from our boy Darren. He grabbed that. Did he grab that? <laughs> yeah. I had to clean it up a little bit, but yeah, that's a perfect or what? <laughs> so good. Please play that one again. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? <laughs> So what was their competition, Matt? OMG, a jizz drinking game. <laughs> you just lost your shit. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? I don't even remember that. <laughs> I don't know what episode it's from either, but it's fucking great. <laughs> I'm a cunt. Oh, I am. I am. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shut up. Are you talking about penises? <laughs> Everyone will be coming on my face. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, both the daughter and dad have been arrested and are charged with incest. Samantha Kirster, 21, and her father, Travis Fieldgrove. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. Allegedly admitted they were in an active sexual or romantic relationship and that they both knew they were biologically related. Shoot some started. fucking ropes. Well, that answers our question from the last time yes. we covered that. So they knew it. Yeah. Kirster's mother tipped off the authorities to the situation. Investigators say that Kirster did not grow up with Fieldgrove and only learned of their connection after her mother introduced her to him in 2015. This is what's even worse about this is that she knew the guy was her dad. She never knew him her whole life. Yeah. But then she decides that she's just going to go and start fucking him as a competition with her half-sister, who yeah. is also his daughter. So, Am I reading that well, correctly? Okay, yeah. So, so they met in 2015. And for the next three years, they were reportedly not intimate. But I'm the, taking another dick. But the father and daughter reportedly said they first had sex on September 10th, 2018. And that one day before 9-11. So their day's like 9-10. But like, it's the erection that counts. And then upon learning that they were being investigated, got married to at the Adams County Courthouse on October 1st. You can't pay a bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. As, you can't marry your way out of that charge. Right. <laughs> as a uh, Kirster uh, birth certificate does not name Fieldgrove as her father, no legal red flags went up. However, a January 14th DNA test really indicates a 99.9999999% likelihood that Fieldgrove is Kirster's male parent. This is so, like Tracy is a death so, fucked to porno. So you're telling me there's a point zero 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 one percent chance. We made that joke, yeah. It's that's basically yeah. While neither suspect has specified exactly what prompted them to turn intimate in a jailhouse interview, Kirstner allegedly said she acted initially at least as a result of a jealousy a jealous competition with her half sister regarding who could have sex with her fa- with their father. Let's jacket or something. Was the start of the <laughs> debate. I mean, wow. What's going on? 
out fucking Hastings, guys. OMG, a jizz drinking game. I guess. Uh, Kirstner and Fieldgrove have each been charged with one count of incense and are in custody at Hall County Jail. Kirstner is being held a $20,000 bail and Fieldgrove is being held on a $100,000 bail. If convicted, each suspect could face up to eight years in prison. You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. I couldn't fit that in. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, apparently all started due to it. And they knew they, they were related when they started fucking. Well, I'm guessing her half-sister would be the same mother, but different fathers. Yeah. So the half-sister having the competition. But they had no the same father. They said this is their father. So they're, they're different mothers. That's so fucked up. Yeah. They have, oh, they're competing to fuck their own dad. Go Big Red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it used to just be Roll Tide when you hear something like this, but no, it's Go Big Red. You know, I don't think that this is the only incident that this is happening in Nebraska. No. Let alone Hastings. Go Big Red! <laughs> It's just really weird because, like, I left the mountainous yeah. areas of Pennsylvania where that kind of shit was the norm. Yeah. You know, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? <laughs> you know, I was on the correct turn because if you yeah. made the wrong turn, that's where that kind of shit was happening. Right, yeah. If you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But I was in the correct turn where don't the people go, that weren't doing that. Don't want to go down that road. Or maybe you do if you're a cousin fucker. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> Sometimes your family is better? Yeah. I, why are they doing this? Why are you, what are you doing? Yeah, well, let's do another one, man. That All was, right. Oh, this is gonna get dark i'm advocating corpse fucking here yeah, yeah right uh this comes from our buddy mike finger uh, bang a girl with a corpse hand russian man found with bodies of 29 young girls mummified to look like dolls and there's a lot of weighing around surprisingly but, but uh yeah holy shit this is like traces of death fucked to porno so, i like how you're instantly dour about this oh uh, well this is bad <laughs> well just read the story and let's see how yeah. bad it actually is history uncovered and totally Mos- moskvin Parents, I don't, I don't fucking know Russian. Uh, parents thought he. What do I look like? A communist? Uh, parents thought he collected- in that red Wisconsin sweatshirt. Yes. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's red for Republican. Oh wait, that's the same thing nowadays. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, <laughs> I got one in there. Zinger. Everyone will be coming on my face. Uh, yeah, they thought he. Uh, parents thought he collected vintage dolls. They were really young mummified girls. Uh, Your cum will probably taste better. To quote his parents, we saw these dolls, but we did not suspect they were dead bodies inside. We thought it was his hobby to make such big dolls and did not see anything wrong with it. Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. Corpse fucking. Uh, and and a totally loved history. He spoke 13 languages, traveled extensively, taught at a college level, and was a journalist in the Ninsi Norvgord, Russia's well, fifth largest city. Well, with all that education, clearly you feel that... Necrophilia can be overlooked. <laughs> what did I say that? Necrophilia can be overlooked. Oh, uh, I was probably saying you think necrophilia can be overlooked. No. Yeah. No, you actually said that. Really? I didn't cut it down to anything. That's That was a line that you said. It was ages and ages ago. I've had that forever. The corpse must have been hot. Corpse fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I hope I could pull somebody find if you can isolate that. The corpse must have been hot. <laughs> the corpse must have been hot. That too. Yeah. Uh, pull the first one. You want to do a little ass play? I, I laughed my way through that last one. Um, it's the erection that counts. He uh, he was also a self-proclaimed expert on cemeteries and dubbed himself a necropolist. Is that you? Uh, no. You identify as that? Uh, no. Are you sure? I know. No, you're not sure. <laughs> are you sure you're not sure? Are you sure you're not? Or are you not sure you're not? I don't like this line of questioning. I feel like this is a perjury trap. <laughs> 
wow, it's the first time I've had you on your heels. Like, you're the one being interrogated. I don't know the history of cemeteries. I just know the right spots to dig for the freshest corpse. Yeah, you're a necropolyist. <laughs> uh, anyway, one colleague called his work priceless. I will never call your work priceless. You want to do a little ass play? Although that in stereo was pretty hot. <laughs> uh, too bad Moskim took his expertise to unhealthy new levels. In 2011, the historian was arrested after the bodies of 29 girls between the ages of 3 and 25 were found mummified in his apartment. My HPV will cure what ails you. Fuck Russia. You're like the Florida of the world. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's bes- like the other gianter Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, all right, fair. <laughs> anyway, oh, and by the way, to our listeners in Wisconsin, like our boy Dan, I apologize. This is more directed at Matt, but Dan, you know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you know it's, it's true. true. <laughs> oh, uh, just <laughs> come with me, Dan. You know this to be true. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, he was known to as the ultimate expert on cemeteries in his city. And I'm um, going to fuck it to death. He attributes his obsession with the macabre uh, to a 1979 incident when the historian was 13. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. He shared really this story uh, with necrologies. Do you read that? No. Are you lying to me? No. Why do I feel like this is you just in Russia? No. <laughs> got a bad feeling about this one, guys. I got a great feeling about this. <laughs> I'm getting. Hey. I'm learning so much from this man. Hey, Jack. No. no. <laughs> Read the story. Read it slowly. <laughs> breathe heavier. And I got a cold, so I am having to breathe through my mouth more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why you're a mouth breather. It is. I usually breathe through my nose, you know, before it was headbutted and fucking broke it. Christ, let's go lick some assholes. That, too. You want to do a little <laughs> ass play? Sometimes. A weekly publication dedicated to cemeteries and obituaries, to which he was an avid contributor. This is like Traces of Death fucked you porno. Are yeah? you a contributor to Necroologies? Uh, no, I didn't know it existed. But I'm going to be looking it up later, so move on. Why do I feel like you know it existed? Like, if I, like, touch a false shelf around here, it's going to be an entire library. I will tell you this. If you touch a false shelf around here, you will regret it for the rest of your life. I think so. That's why I don't touch a lot of things down here. That's probably for the best. Uh-huh. Anyway, in his last article for the publication, dated October 26, 2011, he divulged how a group of men in black suits stopped him on the way home from school. If you want a fear boner. They were en route to the funeral of 11-year-old Natasha Petrov and dragged Young and Tully along to her coffin where they forced him to kiss the girl's corpse. Safe sex with a dead thing. He wrote, I kissed her once, then again, then again. The girl's grieving mother then put a wedding ring on his finger and a wedding ring on her dead daughter's finger. What the fuck, Russia? Why are you sitting here staring at me like I'm telling you the hottest erotica (laughs) you've ever fucking heard? Because that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. God damn it, no! That's so beautiful. He he, he, He has a corpse bride. Matt, that's so lovely. I hate you and I hate this world we live in. They sex with a dead thing. Corpse fucking. Corpse fucking. Yeah. He states, my strange marriage with Natasha Petrova was useful. Finger bang a girl with a corpse hand. He said, strange indeed. He said it, it led to a belief in magic and ultimately a fascination with the dead. Whether the story is even true is besides the point by now, as his disturbing thoughts would go unchecked for more than 30 years. What's so disturbing about his thoughts? <sighs> Listen, I'm going to let our listeners let you know what's disturbing about his thoughts if they think there's anything terrible about his thoughts. I'm confused. What's, yeah. I can't go through He this. hasn't done anything horrible yet. Are you, you tell me what's so wrong about me story. doing cocaine all the time and I'll tell you what's wrong with this in a way that I'll understand what makes it wrong. <laughs> 
I want to know more about this guy. I'm fascinated. All right, all right. Uh, his obsession festered. His interest in the <laughs> festered. Yeah, right. Corpse festered. In the uh, corpse kissing incident, never his interest in the corpse kissing incident never abated. He began to wander through cemeteries as a schoolboy. All right, his, I'm starting to really identify with this guy. His interest even informed his studies, and he eventually earned an advanced degree in Celtic studies, a culture whose mythology often blurs lines between life and death. Yeah, Salwin. The historian often mastered some. 13, uh, the historian also mastered some 13 languages and was many times a published scholar. He's a scholarly necrophiliac. Meanwhile, he roamed from cemetery to cemetery. He said, I don't think anyone in the city knows them better than I do. He said of his extensive knowledge of the region's dead. Uh-huh. From 2005 to 2007, Moscow came to claim to have visited 752 cemeteries Okay, in his local area. So far, none of the stuff you're describing is really all that creepy. I want to know about these dolls. Oh, God. All right. He took detailed notes in each one and delved into the histories of those buried there. The hands-on historian claimed to have walked up to 20 miles per day, sometimes sleeping on hay bales and drinking rainwater water from puddles. He posted a documentary series of his travels and discoveries entitled Great Rocks Around Cemeteries and What the Dead Said. These continued to be published in weekly newspapers. Nice. Fucked up, my man. <laughs> Nothing so far. I mean, I know this guy has collected mummified corpses. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty fucked up, but nothing you said so far is all that out, even, out there. He even said he spent one night sleeping in a coffin ahead of a deceased person's funeral. His observations were more than just observations, however. In 2009, locals began to discover the graves of their loved ones desecrated, sometimes completely dug up. Russian Interior Ministry spokesperson General Valery Rupikin told CNN that initially our leading theory was that it was done by some extremist organizations. I'm advocating corpse fucking here. Yeah, you probably are. We decided to beef up our police unit that a group's composed of our most experienced detectives who specialize in famous crimes. Okay, so the graves were found dug up and they thought it was being just desecration or something along those lines? Yeah, but for nearly two years, the Interior Ministry leads went nowhere. Graves continued to be desecrated and no one knew why. Then a break in the investigation came following a terrorist attack at uh, the airport in Moscow in 2011. Shortly afterwards, authorities heard reports of Muslim graves being desecrated in Nancy Norv Gord. Investigators were led to the cemetery where someone was painting over the pictures of dead Muslims, but not damaging anything else. This is where Moskovs was finally caught. Eight police officers went to his apartment after they apprehended him at the graves of the Muslims to gather evidence. What they found there shocked them all and shook the world. The 45-year-old lived with his parents in a small apartment. He was reportedly lonely and something of a pack rat. <laughs> Inside, authorities found life-sized doll-like figures throughout the apartment. The figures resembled antique dolls. They wore fine, varied clothing. Some wore knee-high boots. Other had makeup over their faces. Moskin had covered them in fabric. He had also hidden their hands in fabric. Except these were not dolls. These were the mummified corpses of human girls. Alright, but he didn't kill any of them. He just dug them up after they were dead. Still pretty disrespectful. When police moved one of the bodies, it played music, as if on cue. That probably would be nice nightmare inducing for that particular officer i would shit myself oh man that's awesome inside the chest of many of the dolls he had embedded music boxes 
That's so fucking creepy. There, there are also photographs and plaques taken off the gravestones, uh, doll-making manuals, and maps of local cemeteries strewn about the apartment. The loving three-way with a corpse? Police even discovered... I don't think this guy got a three-way. Uh, <laughs> police even discovered that clothes worn by the mummified corpses were clothes in which they had been buried in. Ooh, this is getting super spooky. Investigators later found music boxes or toys inside the bodies of dead girls so that they could produce sounds when he touched them. That's so cool. There are also personal belongings and clothing inside some of the mummies. One mummy had a piece of her own gravestone with her name scrawled on it inside of her body. Another oh, one, man. Another one contained a hospital tag with the date and the cause of the girl's death. But he didn't kill anybody so far. No. A dried human heart was found inside the third body. Was it the human heart that belonged in the body or did he put somebody so. else's dried embalm, heart in there? After, man, they, is, after th- they embalm people, they don't have any organs. Man, this is like a fucking concept album waiting to be made by some death metal band. <laughs> Boskun admitted that he would stuff the decayed corpses with rags, then he would wrap nylon tights around their faces or fashion doll faces onto them. He would also insert buttons or toy eyes in the girls' eye sockets so that they could watch cartoons with them. The historian <laughs> said he mostly loved these girls, though they were a few dolls in his garage, which he claims to have grown to dislike. <laughs> They probably talked back to him. Holy Jesus. He said he dug up graves of girls because he was lonely. He said he was single. Corpse fucking. He said he was single and his biggest dream was to have children. Russian adoption agencies wouldn't let him adopt a child because he didn't make enough money. Perhaps <laughs> that was for the best, judging from the condition of his pack rag apartment in psychotic obsessions with dead people. <laughs> yeah, you probably shouldn't be allowed to raise a child if, uh, if you're, you're digging keeping, up corpses. Yeah, if you have Russian doll corpses. Yeah. He added that he had done what he did because he was waiting for science to find a way to bring the dead back to life. And Have you not watched any movie that never goes well for any of us? That's eh, not entirely true. Which one? Which one? Yeah. Um, Where it goes well for the human race. The reanimation of the dead going well for the human race? Yeah. Uh, that depends upon your definition of well. All right. Where we aren't eaten alive. Reanimator. Oh. And uh, murdered and joined to them. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what I thought. Shut up. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I know where it went well. I know where it went well. The Masters of Horror episode where the lady was getting tagged by all the corpses in the cemetery that kept reviving every night. She even had a baby. She had a life with all of her lovers. It did go well for her. That went very well for her. But not well for any of the men because she kept killing them. No, she didn't kill them. No, she didn't. Her husband died of natural causes. The the necromancer guy brought them all back but he did a little too strong and brought back the entire cemetery. And the man who died, died because he tried to like attack the baby which defended itself or something I think. Uh. But that went well for her. That went really well for her. Yeah, she probably had a good time. Yeah, she had like a whole cemetery. Okay, one. Uh Uh-huh. Out of all the other ones. Yeah, but that's the scenario that someone who wants the dead to come back is actually pretty much going for anyway. Like, this guy would be probably very happy with all those corpses coming back for him to bang. Yeah. So. Except for the ones he left in the garage. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to have breakups. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to lose so many listeners over this. Oh, my God, this this is it. And the fact that the story's like 10 pages long. In the meantime, he used a simple solution of salt and baking soda to preserve the girls. Pay attention, kids. This is how you keep your own corpses. <laughs> he celebrated the birthday of his dolls in the, like they were his own children. His parents claimed to know nothing of the true or, uh, origin of the dolls. Like, there's a nice picture of his parents just Aww, eating. They look like they're reanimated corpses. Yeah, right? Elvira, the professor's then 76-year-old mom. Okay. I'm not fucking kidding. Yeah, that's the name. Said, we saw these dolls, but we did not suspect there were dead bodies inside. We thought it was his hobby to make such big dolls, and that we did not see anything wrong with it. Vagina. Smells like dead body. That too. (laughs) 
<laughs> the shoes in Moskud's apartment matched footprints found near desecrated graves. Police knew without a doubt they had their grave robber. All right, we, we got the gist of what we needed to know about this yeah. guy. I, I think we're good. Uh, let me just see here. I wanted to say here. He was charged with a, a dozen crimes. None of which were murder. That's the one thing no. I want to know. Uh, mainly desecration and all that. I'm trying to see here. He's going to um, be out in very short time. But his, uh, they never said uh, what how much time he got. Yeah. Um, they said he was convicted, but they said he's doing better in prison. So <laughs> he's making dolls in prison and no one knows it. Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> No, I think that's very sweet. That's very romantic. No, that's fucked up. <laughs> of course it's fucked up. Dude, I've got like serious creepy chills from you describing about what he did where he's collecting the dolls and how the, they have music boxes in uh, them and I, stuff. If I were a cop and the first minute you touch one of them and music starts playing, you, you know, that's probably a cure for constipation right there. I imagine that it would be like they pull a gun on it and start shooting the shit out of it, screaming burn it with fire. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Just the thought of a fucking corpse that's turned into a doll with a music box installed in it is super fucking creepy and somebody better put that in a horror movie someday. Yes, right. Because that is <laughs> fucked up. Up. Yeah, well, I'm thoroughly aroused now. <laughs> yeah, me too. We have fucked up weddings in our PSYOP news. Yes. We have a little bit of necrophilia and the, the dead trying to be married to the dead. So yes. that fits all perfectly with Last House on the Massacre Street. Yeah, all right. Because this film killed my will to watch movies. No, oh, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We should make a montage about that. We should make a montage about how much our will to live is fucking over. <laughs> While we're working on that montage, we're going to take a break here. We're going to play a promo for another podcast that really wishes we'd stop bagging on Wisconsin because eh, <laughs> they're from there. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll have a little more music fitting of Last House on Massacre Street, a.k.a. The Bride. Corpse fucking. The bond between father and son has been magical throughout time. Precious moments spent together shape not only the son, but the father as well. Their contributions to the world will benefit all humanity. However, this does not apply to Dan and Brennan on the Corrupted Youth Podcast, this father and son duo explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. What a couple of dongles. If you'd like to hear Dan and Brennan's precious father-son moments flushed away like so many turds, listen to the Corrupted Youth Podcast. Available on Podomatic and Apple Podcasts. Picturing that song being like the girl screaming, it's gone, daddy gone, my yeah. love is gone. I figured that would be fitting for what we're trying to discuss here. I don't know why. I pictured that as the song that the, the guy was playing while he was stuffing his corpse brides. 
<laughs> I mean, it's fitting. Yeah. <laughs> it's upbeat. It's for that kind of grim work. You need that. <laughs> <laughs> and well, if you want to look for other places to discuss and or enjoy your grim work, I would strongly suggest our landing page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash So much fucked up news. So much fucked up pictures. Well, you- that that is our main landing page to get to the podcast. Oh, yeah. What you're talking about is the other place where you oh, can really yeah. indulge in your more darker whims. That's true. Our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps on Facebook. Now we're talking memes. We're talking funny shit. Make us laugh. Or creep us out with a story of a Russian guy that's kind of really inspiring and a bit of a romantic at heart when it comes to corpse fucking. Or maybe maybe just make us fall in love. Or maybe not, because I don't think our wives would be very happy about that. And then we'll be dead. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Why do you want us dead? For the Russian guy, duh. Oh, yeah. You can find me on Facebook. I am Court Psyops. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Psyops, still hiding behind the board and screaming, hashtag, don't dox me, bro. I can't be doxed, man. Please don't. <laughs> you can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com, where you can threaten to dox him with evidence that you have. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag don't dox them, bro. Yeah, please. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that he needs to seek counseling because he seemed a little too aroused by the story of corpse fucking. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> oh, now I'm fine? Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Well, I am going to subscribe to that newsletter, though. Well, I believe more in Scientology. That uh, therapist stuff, that's for the birds. <laughs> by the way, don't pay attention to the $150,000 just put in my bank account. Scientology's cool, guys. <laughs> Hey, I'll say Scientology's cool for $150,000. I could be bought. <laughs> Every time I say it, you pay me $150,000, I'll do that. I won't even do jokes about Scientology. No, I'll fucking tweet about it all day on my twatter. I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise is 6'6 six, six and full man. Oh, yeah, all man. Oh, and that's man. his natural hair color. He's yeah. not dying it no, at all. Not at all. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> I'm sure that's his actual real hair. You can, ka-ching, twit, ka-ching, ka-ching. you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats who are now selling out the Scientology. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at Psyop Matt. What? I'm doing it for the money. <laughs> doing it for the money. I'll sell out. I will too. I'll sell out real quick. Yeah, $150,000 a pop. I'll say anything you damn well please. Would you say make America great again? For $150,000, I just might. Would you say build the wall? For $150,000, <laughs> I just, just might. Me too. That is the threshold of I, my integrity. I'd really, I'd really think about it. At a pop. Every time yeah, I yeah, say yeah. it, I better get that money. Uh-huh, right. But that particular bastard never pays his contractors. No, I mean, I would never trust him. Yeah, and while you're out there trying to get your own pay for your contracting work, kick the fuck out of the bastard who owes you the money and this week and make them your bitch. It's gone, daddy gone. Beautiful girl, lovely dress. Fifteen smiles, oh yes. Beautiful girl, lovely dress. Where she is now, I can only guess. Cause